Hey, everybody, and welcome to Product Happy Hour, where you can go to happy hour with your favorite product people. That's us in your sweatpants. We are product folks here to share what we've learned often the hard way over great drinks. Why happy hour? Why not? It's the best way to get the inside scoop from grizzled vets with the scars to prove it. Thanks for giving us a listen. The best ways you can help us keep this party going is to head to our new Substack page and subscribe at www.producthappyhour.com. Paid subscriptions help keep ads off the show. It's either $5 a month or $30 a year. That's literally one Starbucks latte a month or one DoorDash order a year to keep this sucker going. Finally, please subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts for easy listening anywhere, anytime. See how I did that? That was pretty sweet. I did. Uh, with me, as always, is Ira Joe Hall. Hey, Ira. Hi. I am so happy to be back. Um, I loved the last episode with Seth. Um, and a big welcome to all our new listeners and subscribers. Thank you from the bottom of my vodka drinking heart for supporting this show. We absolutely love doing it. And we're just yeah. happy to be here. We're happy to be here. We're happy to see how you react. I mean, Ajay, I I know you missed me, but probably not that much because Seth was awesome. Seth was great. Yes. Uh, <laughs> was welcome back, night. by the way. Before we, yeah, before we hop into that. I mean, yeah, that was a great episode. And I had a lot of fun spending time with Seth. So uh, it's great. He's just a wonderful person. And uh, you know, not too far away, just down the road, which is uh, which is really great. I'm I'm very uh, happy to have had that conversation today. We're covering the topic of strategy. Thank you to Russell Rogers, one of my old coworkers. Uh, hey, Russell, for submitting this question: What's your process for building strategy? Some of us dread it, some of us love it, many of us overcomplicate it. We're looking forward to providing you with a bit of a primer on how to build a great strategy. I'm really excited about this topic. It's going to be good. Yeah. But uh, first, what is that drink? Ajay, what beer yeah. do you have this week? Let's do it. My favorite game this week, it's a Zilker Parks and Rec Pale Ale made right here in Austin, Texas, uh, named after Zilker Park, which is where they have Austin City Limits. I've got oh. it uh, freshly. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Uh, I've got it freshly poured in my PHH pint glass right here. Uh, Ira, what's in that lovely glassware of yours? Um, what was in this one that I already finished? <laughs> yeah, we got started a little late. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So I'm probably going to be a little bit more hammered than you because this, this is freaking delicious. Okay. This yeah. tastes like fun and late summer. It's pineapple vodka and pineapple like LaCroix. I honestly you cannot even taste the alcohol at all, which is delightful and also a little bit worrisome. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Speaking of fun, um let's get into a day of the life, uh a day in the life of a PM. I need to know all the strategic things you've done today. Tell me quick before I forget after this pineapple. Yeah, for yeah, for sure. Uh, well, you know, there's nothing quite like digging into a giant A-B test that you've been running. We've been knee deep in data analysis for a big experiment uh, that's been running for some time. It's been really interesting to learn about what worked and what didn't work with our customers. 
like most experiments, there have been some things that were expected and there are some yeah. surprises. Experimentation is one of my favorite parts of the job. It's just, uh, I really enjoy it, right? I mean, it's, I know. there's it's just like, so many uh, little fun things you find. Once it's out there, you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I'm excited. Like hit <laughs> yeah. refresh. You're not supposed to peek, you know, like you're supposed to look at certain right. intervals. But man, I just right. like get excited for the results. But even when the results aren't good, I feel good when I can learn something and something is out. And we're not just talking about it happening, you know? Yeah, it's my favorite part. It's my favorite part of the job. And welcome back to you, Ira. What was it like visiting your team in Turkey? Oh, yes. Turkey was wonderful. Um, but my team was really like the main attraction. Um, I know we all love working remotely. And the whole like no pants, no problem thing has like really grown on me personally. <laughs> but like, man, meeting my team in person for the first time after like two and a half years of working together was like incredibly powerful. My team is composed of engineers um, and data scientists. And of course, um, you know, our engineering and data scientist manager, uh, they're so cool and i worked from the same office in the same time zone like within actual like i could touch their reach out and touch their shoulder um you, you might think that like doesn't make a huge difference but man like i left there like super charged like i was like we could do whatever we want and we can solve any problem and we can strategize our way to world domination if we wanted <laughs> i mean <laughs> Like being in the company of, and then being in a physical company, I should say, of like really brilliant people kind of like has a ripple effect. It like left me a little bit like with a glow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't like just inspired, but I also got, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I got like the warm and fuzzies because we didn't just work. Like we went to dinner, we had like beautiful lunches. And when you're, spending time like that with people you get to know the things that they like you know what their sense of humor is like in person you have like a little bit of banter and that like made me feel connected to them like oh i know you you know me I'm like we work together i don't know i i really really enjoyed that um and, and i know i don't need to sell our audience on like the benefit of happy hours and sharing ideas but here i am living our values and our mission and ajay i gotta tell you it was so rewarding that's killer. There's nothing quite like bonding with the team in person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm like, let me go back. Like, where's the travel budget? Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> Enough about me. I know you have been itching because you have texted me multiple times about this to okay. say, I told you so about your cool <laughs> product thing from the last episode, episode four, I think it was about celebrity mm -hmm. Peloton rides. You basically like prophesized Peloton's like engage and retain strategy. Give us an update um, for the cool product things segment that we always have. Oh my gosh. Yes, we <laughs> did it. Um, maybe we should just acquire Peloton and just run it ourselves. Why, yeah, uh, do it. why, why even have the middleman? Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, well, you know, yeah, in episode four, we uh, talked a bit about uh, this celebrity ride that Lizzo did. Um, and it was, um, she had cameoed in the ride and co-promoted her new album, uh, yeah. in the same Brilliant. ride, uh, Brilliant. which is really, really smart. And, um, since then 
Peloton has been debuting celebrity ride after celebrity ride. Uh, T-Pain debuted his artist series and Aston Kutcher has debuted his running series on on Peloton. And uh, I have to say, I am both engaged and retained uh, by <laughs> this new strategy. Yes. You know, in the in the in episode four, uh, we hypothesized that this was Peloton's strategy going forward. Uh-huh. It was a great way to capture subscribers from celebrity fan bases. It was also engaging to train with celebrities that you liked. It was a great retention strategy because, as a member. Like myself, uh, you are likely to keep being subscribed to see who's going to guest ride or guest run next. This is an yeah. amazing move by Peloton, and I'm really excited to see how it plays out and to just do some of these celebrity rides. I, I know. I are love they good? Them. Are they fu- are they yeah. more fun than the non celebrity rides? Okay. I I think it's really fun because you one it's just also kind of funny to watch celebrities under duress like just just you know, in this like in these like rides and bike rides with the rest of us, um, but also you know it's just fun you you get to know them a bit more. Um, I mean of course a lot of it's probably staged, but um, it's still it's still really fun. It adds a different dimension to the rides. Yeah, for sure. you're still um, like you still enjoy it, right? Staged or not, you still enjoy it. Like you're yeah. like whatever. Like this is entertaining. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's totally entertaining. Um, okay, so I had one other cool product thing uh, okay. that I discovered: um, Disney singalongs on Disney Plus. This is just—I think we're all excited about Disney Plus and the strategic possibilities of Disney's own streaming service. Um, I got a glimpse of it over the last week or so, uh, and by glimpse, I mean. I saw this 300 times because my toddler just wouldn't stop watching it. Um, I love the repetition of things, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess it's like how they learn. Uh, So it's, you know, it's it's great. Once you kind of have that context, you're just like, yeah, okay, fine. I'll just watch it. And it's not a bad movie. Tangled is Tangled is really good. It's uh, it was kind of like the start of Disney making actually uh, a lot of really good animated movies. So I don't mind it. Uh, He really enjoys that movie. And while finding it on Disney Plus, we also found a sing-along version, uh, which you had mentioned that they had these sing-along videos, right, uh, on VHS back in the day? Totally. I'm going to date myself. Yes, VHS, guys. VHS. Not DVD. VHS. They would, like, re... They would take all the, like, Disney movies that had come out that year, and they would just extract the songs from each of the movies, like Beauty and the Beast, like, snow white and then just put all the songs in one vhs and have the lyric stream at the bottom and we would just play that thing until it smelled like burnt waffles in the living room because we had rewound it so much to listen to it over and over again yeah sing-alongs are very on brand for disney obviously you know they they have a thing for musicals i don't know if you know um but in these sing-along versions on disney plus Um, they take basically the whole movie and then they overlay these interactive captions for every song and you get animations that you can, that can help you sing along. It's, it's actually a very classic, uh, strategic play. Disney's leaning into their strengths of sing along content in a way that's unique to their brand. They're pulling something like you mentioned from your childhood and from a lot of other people's childhoods yeah. that is effective uh, for their customer base. They know their customer customer base pretty well, and they're mm-hmm. starting with something that that's fairly familiar with these like sing along videos. 
but you could imagine that that would change over time. Maybe like you sing into your remote and it matches up with the captions on the screen, for example, oh. in, a, in a fun, interactive way. And that's shit idea. that Disney can do with uh, their own uh, their own Disney Plus service. Uh, gives them an advantage. It plays up their strength. We're going to talk about this in strategy as well. That uh, you know, playing up your strength is uh, is definitely uh, a good part of a good strategy, and it makes their streaming service more attractive uh, mm-hmm. and retains loyal uh, Disney Plus subscribers. So. We're at the beginning of the streaming wars. I'm excited to see how this hypothesis plays out for them. Uh, it's going to be really neat. I think it's a really cool iteration on uh, what they're trying to do with their streams. Yes. Yeah. And it's like a repackaging of stuff they already invested in. Um, yeah. And then they've made it a really cool feature. Like if, yeah, if your son is anything like me, he like loves that thing. And he's like, let me yeah. listen to it again. Let me sing. Yeah. Yeah. He's ready. He's ready to <laughs> sing it all. All right, it's that time in the show, the main event era. Shall we dive into our main topic, a primer for building a strategy? We should. I've been thinking about this all week, how to answer this, how to make this easier for our listeners. Let's go. Let's do this. All right, so let's dive into our main topic, shall we? Let's go, man. All right, to answer Russell's question uh, and to recap, that question was, what's your process for building a strategy? First, we will demystify the concept of strategy by explaining what it is, what it's not, and how to identify the difference between good and bad strategy. We'll close out the episode by sharing methodologies we've used to build a strategy. We will share what's worked, what didn't, and how you can save yourself time and energy by learning from our experience. I'm so ready. I also want to propose a drinking game for this episode. Whenever oh, you man. are you down? Yeah. We're doing I'm this down. live. Let's do it. Okay. Okay, okay. so um sometimes I, I used to play this. Um, at my old job it's like when you repeat a word very often we used to call it like word bingo mostly like during all hands like every time someone would say in all hands optimize or strategize we would all like drink or look at each other because <laughs> it's like the 19th time they've repeated the word um so what yep. i want to propose for this episode is that uh we drink every time someone says the word goals why why the word goals because so many people confuse goals with strategy. So if our listeners remember like one thing from this episode, hopefully it's not that I got absolutely blasted because we said <laughs> goals a lot. <laughs> but <laughs> it's that goals are not the same thing as strategy. So let's drink. If either I'll watch you and you watch me. Okay. We'll drink every time it. someone says the word goals. You, okay. You got it. I'll call you out and you call me out. Uh, and if you if you're listening on the pod, uh, please play along. If you're yeah. if you're in the mood, every time we say goals, you got to drink, and we'll be watching through your phone. Okay, no, we won't. <laughs> don't worry. Um, okay, cool. All right, let's demystify the concept of strategy. Man, sometimes when you hear that word strategy, it can really sound like a loathsome thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean. It's kind of like when planning comes around, everyone's like, oh, now we need to think about what we're doing and we need to rethink. Um, yeah, early in my career, I was actually really challenged by this. Like I loved every aspect of product management except 
strategy because I just thought it was like this like amorphous kind of like concept like you know build the best strategy like first of all do I have time to do that should I even like bother if leadership is just going to come and be like no we're going to do this instead or if I don't have all the information like most importantly like how is strategy different than the metrics I have to move or like why would it change now um and do I need to build another goddamn deck for this thing (laughs) (laughs) I mean those frustrations aside it's worthwhile starting with the basics Like, um, let's define what strategy is, and then if we can hop into the process of building it well, um, then it'll make more sense. So let's start with what it is, and then how to build a good one. What do you say? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Uh, So, you know, I'm going to lift this from a great book that we recommend called Good Strategy, Bad Strategy. It's by Richard Rummelt. Um, Fantastic book. Uh, And shout out to Will Rice for the recommendation. and, and basically the way it's defined in the book is that strategy is a plan to get you, your product, your company to achieve its goals. Drink. <laughs> oh. uh, your goal is uh, where you want to be. And your strategy, that's two. I gotta do it twice. Oh my God, I'm not going to be able to feel my face at the end of this. Okay, (laughs) so your goal is where you want to be and your strategy is your plan to get there. Uh, Maybe an example, and we're going to go through another example in more detail, but like an example is like, hey, if you want to lose 50 pounds, Mm -hmm. uh, your goal is to lose 50 pounds, but your strategy to get there is like, I'm going to do intermittent fasting, I'm going to work out five days a week, and I'm going to do like a low-carb diet. Uh, And those are things maybe that those have worked for you in the past, or maybe it's based on real science. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's your plan. Um, and from your strategy, you know, you get to, uh, you know, actionable items that you're going to actually work through, but that's the central idea is that you got a goal, uh, that you're trying to hit and then your strategy is your plan to get there. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like what's between you and your goals. That's your strategy. Yeah. 100%. And uh, he, one of the things I like is that he demystifies uh, strategy with kind of a weird analogy. He uses the example of a popcorn piece. A piece of popcorn is Mm. light and fluffy on the outside and delicious. Yeah, I know. Um, It's making me hungry too. Uh, (laughs) But it also has many layers, right? Underneath the light light and fluffy parts, there's some crunchy parts. Um, But it's all coming out of this kernel. Um, it's all based on a kernel, right? The kernel turns into this piece of popcorn under heat and pressure. And so a strategy is a very similar thing. It looks like it's got a lot of layers and it does, uh, but it's all based out of this kernel. And the way that he describes this kernel is that there's it has three components, uh, a diagnosis, a guiding policy, and an actionable plan. Okay, okay. Three things. I can grok that. That doesn't feel too overcomplicated let's let's break down this kernel a little bit further shall we yeah let's do it it's it's not complicated and okay really like you said it's really like strategy once once i think for for both of us maybe folks can relate once we once i read this book and we started getting into some of these simplification strategies it really just made it much clearer you know, mm-hmm. it can feel like this unattainable thing, but it's not. Okay, uh, so 
let's talk about a diagnosis. A diagnosis basically describes the key problems your company is facing. This part probably takes the longest and you'll need user research with user studies and competitive data to diagnose that. Okay. But like, what if you don't have time for that? Like this is what happens <laughs> to me. It's freaking the end of the quarter. I need to put a goddamn deck together and I, I don't have that or I don't know where to go. Like, what do I do? Yeah, it's a great it's a great point. I mean, uh, well, if you don't diagnose correctly, you could prescribe the wrong medication and end up dead. So that's probably <laughs> not good. You probably don't want that. Uh, just okay. kidding. But it, it it is a critical part, and starting with something is better than nothing. Okay. Yeah. So it could basically send us down the totally uh, like a totally wrong path if we didn't take the time to diagnose correctly. That that makes sense to me. Um, one thing that I've done like or later in my career is if I don't have the resources or it's a relatively new area, listen, I just start with educated guesses. I start with something rather than nothing. Just like you said, like I'll look at past tests. Um, if you're lucky, your company has a wiki where a bunch of people who have written a bunch of crap and have now since quit have left their legacy and their footprint around. Um, so at minimum, uh, you could read uh, at least what your company or what people in your group have thought about that concept. Like literally just use a search function, just type in the words that you're curious about. Um, yeah. have you, I've definitely done that before. You don't always need like a McKinsey consultant to diagnose. You don't need some big complicated breakdown. It's true. Some, uh, uh, another sort of um, helpful trick that I've seen that works pretty well is mm -hmm like continuously doing this kind of research that way when you are at the end of the corner uh the the end of the quarter or at the end of the half and it's like crunch time mm -hmm. you've already kind of done some of that research progressively throughout the year um and are able to use that um when it comes down to crunch time um and it's always just kind of good to be doing that to help you make sure that your strategy is the right strategy okay um great point yeah so, all right. So diagnosis is one part. Um, guiding policy. Uh, what is a guiding policy? It specifies the approach with which we would attack the problem. It's one step above a roadmap and it changes as you learn. You often uh, have to pivot because the first set of actions don't always work. Uh, but that's basically what a, what a guiding policy is. Okay. So I'm, I actually have never heard, like I've never used the term guiding policy at all at work. Um, but to know that it's like one step above a roadmap is re really useful for me. So it's like kind of this criteria by which we would solve. And there can be a lot of different ways to solve a problem, right? So this is kind of a framework that you go back to as you're evaluating like the different ways that you might do this. Like uh, maybe you can give us an example and that will help crystallize it a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So um, let's talk through what an actionable plan is also. I mean, I okay. think this part's straightforward too, and then we'll, we're going to hop into the example. So an actionable plan is like, it's, it's, I mean, it's pretty much what it sounds like. It's like, all right, you have your guiding policy, which is based on a diagnosis. And then how are you actually going to plan to take action based on, you know, what your policy looks like? And, uh, and that policy is based on what you diagnosed, but just to round it out. Um, Okay, so those three things. Let's talk through an example. Um, one that comes to mind is when Lyft launched in the ride-sharing space. Um, 
this might be a while back for you whippersnappers, but uh, <laughs> you know, back in the day, <laughs> uh, I'm old. Um, back in the day, uh, Uber actually was primarily a black car service. Uh, so you know, they were highly dependent on you know black car drivers being around to take people from point A to point B. Um, and Lyft, in a lot of ways, was revolutionary because it came in with a very different model centered around true ride sharing. Lyft had drivers that would sign up to give rides okay. and then their app would match it to a driver to uh, take a ride with. That sounds familiar, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so if we were inside Uber at that time, um, let's talk about what we'd be considering when designing the kernel for a strategic response to, to Lyft. Okay. Um, so, okay. You know, what's Uber's overall goal? Well, I don't have it in front of me and I, I haven't, sorry, I didn't look at their last 12 earning reports or whatever. <laughs> um, but it, you know, knowing what I know about them and what we all probably know, um, Uber's overall goal was to revolutionize transportation globally. You know, they wanted to be the solution for your transportation needs, um, uh, for any ride, uh, that you might consider taking. Um, and so if that's the goal, it's helpful to diagnose with that goal in mind uh, what the actual strategic problems are that Lyft is introducing with this new model in the marketplace. Uh, one main issue is that Lyft's model scales better for handling lots of rides globally. Yeah, Uber's so much easier. Model, so much easier. So yeah. Uber's model at the time was very black car dependent and there's only so many mm -hmm. black car drivers, you know, in other cities like New York, for example, uh, like if you wanted to become a taxi car driver, you had to have a medallion that yeah. got yeah. through the city and black car drivers had a similar sort of certification process. So there's just not that many mm -hmm. versus um, with Lyft's model, it's much more scalable without that dependency. Plus it's um, a little more expensive, right? Like to take a black yeah. car. Yeah, that's a that's a huge part of it. So, you know, um, if you're trying to capture as many rides as possible and everything is like $30 a ride mm -hmm. versus $10 a ride for Lyft's model, which is much more community based, then you're going to struggle. You know, com competitively, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a challenge. Um, Uber also already had a lot of uh, components to make a ride ma ride sharing model possible. They already had a mobile app. They had infrastructure to route rides, uh, so it wasn't a stretch to create uh, create a ride sharing marketplace. Um, regulatory challenges were there, but the user response for Lyft was so strong that it was possible that you could just overpower, you know, the regulatory response with just the the, the significant amount of demand for uh, a ride sharing product and mm -hmm. uber also had a strong brand so if it decided to jump into ride sharing customers could prefer uber over lyft when when making a ride choice yeah uh, so yeah given anything else come to mind in terms of diagnoses well yeah i i think those are really big pillars like basically price uh scalability um and brand right like i, I think you nailed it okay Cool. Um, so coming out of that, a possible guiding policy to get Uber's goal of revolutionizing transportation likely uh, was that Uber would invest into a ride sharing service, right? You have the components, you have the brands, you have a model that you're seeing works out of Lyft. So the pieces are there. 
you can uh, you can move into that space um, and still you know kind of develop a strength in that in that marketplace, um, and that generates a flywheel that helps you helps you meet your objective. An actionable plan could be to set up an MVP for a ride sharing service. They're probably not going to have every component that Lyft had at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I'm simplifying. This is a primer. It's not everything related to strategy. Yeah. Uh, but the general concept and construct is pretty much the same. You know, you kind of move into that space. You have the components. And now we are where we are today. You know, yeah. Uber and yeah. Lyft locked head to head in this ride sharing battle. That's like how you know it was a good strategy. I, like now I can't even envision Uber not having Uber X's, you know, to compete with Lyft. And I can't tell you like the number of times that I like be very, I'm like very cheap. Well, this is always on the way to happy hour or to drink. (laughs) Not so much on the way back. Like I'm very conscientious on the way there. I'm like, okay, what is the price on Lyft? What is the price on Uber? You know, yeah. maybe that's a new problem that we have to conquer and we can make easier inside the product. Um, But yeah, this... Yeah, this makes a lot of sense. So this, okay, this is how I know it's a good strategy. It's seamless. It has these three components. But how do I know if I have a bad strategy? Mm, yes, this is an excellent question. And uh, they talk about this in the book. So, you know, I'm just, uh, I think it's good to recap a lot of um, stuff we've seen too in terms yeah. of bad strategies. I think we've we've both seen a lot of word salads and stuff. Um but, you know, just to kind of recap some of the main points for, for bad strategies, you know, it's a bad strategy when it's just fluff, when it sounds like a bunch of like really fancy words, but it doesn't yeah. actually mean a fucking thing. Mm-hmm. That's a bad strategy. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I know that now, but I didn't know that when, you know, I was just starting out. I was like, oh, this sounds elevated. And these are big words that I probably need to go look up or they're repeating a lot of phrases that I hear applied to other companies. Um, but I don't actually understand how we're going to get to our goals. And I used to be like, kind of like, Oh, okay. I, I guess I just don't, I'm not, I don't understand. Therefore it must be good. Um, but it's exact opposite of that. It is basically really bad, right? When you use inflated terms that aren't easily understood or clear, that is a key indicator that you have a shit strategy. Yeah, it's true. And it, it, and it's it's really interesting. Like when, when I look back on it now, I think things like bad strategies and bad strategic processes were the things that would like cause me to table flip and just be like, I don't want to do a strategy. I'm just, no, let's just go do things and like worry about the strategy later. Oh, yeah. It was only, really. yeah, it, it was only later on when I was like, when I read this book and mm-hmm. like, really worked through it with my with my uh, boss and my management um, where it was like, oh, okay, I, I get why this is valuable now when it's done right and it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be like this three-week offsite where, like, you know, <laughs> it doesn't require that. But uh, which is oftentimes how things end up being fluffed too. It's like you talk about it to death and then it ends up meaning nothing, which mm-hmm. um, which happens a lot too. Yeah, uh, I think t- it it is value like just because it's it's time consuming, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad strategy. Like we said, it's important to diagnose, and that can take time. Um, but yeah, the, if the output of it isn't digestible or easily understood, um, yeah, yeah, that's like a red flag. Uh, what are a couple other red flags, Ajay? 
Well, one red flag is that we haven't been playing this drinking game very well. Did you <laughs> like, say the I word goal? Goals. I've said goals like oh 10 God. times. We just really? What? I'm like, okay, I've already pounded this drink. There's like barely any vodka left in this. Here we go. Well, you just said goals, so I'm going to take a big swig. Okay. Okay. Catch up, man. Catch up. All right. All right. Okay. That that was like 10, that was like 10 sips right there. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So another uh, sign of a bad strategy, failure to face the challenge, meaning it means pretty much what it sounds like mm-hmm. failure to actually meet the challenge of the business or the product that you're working on, the features you're working on. Um, that's a pretty, pretty big sign of a bad strategy. Okay. So uh, like- have you ever seen that? I'm sure you've seen it. Well, like it, if if Uber didn't uh, face the challenge that was presented to them by the introduction of Lyft, what might that look like? Like they might have built like an RV service because <laughs> does it really solve the problem, right? Or maybe they doubled down on their black car black car strategy, and they're yeah. like, "Well, we need to get get more black car certified drivers." And yeah. It's like, well, that's not really the problem, right? Right. Like the problem is that that model doesn't scale. Uh, yeah, and this does, right? And that's this bad diagnosis, man. We need more yeah, black cars to complete compete with a cheaper, more community oriented competing product. Like, no, no, <laughs> no, opposite. It's not going to get you there. And it, and it actually does. Like, um, there's there's sort of two things that he talks about in the book that are that are also kind of relevant to this. One is is um, you uh, I have it written down here you can measure effectiveness of strategy by competitive advantage it gives you. Hmm. Um, so that's one thing. Like, does it give you an edge against your competition, against, mm-hmm. you know, regulatory pressures in the marketplace or just, you know, other other potential pressures down the road? Uh, uh, well, PM does, doesn't does want do edge, that. man. Like, give me the edge. Yeah, and a good strategy, like, gives you an edge for sure. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so measuring the effectiveness of that through that dimension is really important. And then anticipating trends. That's another thing he talked about a lot, which I think is huge. And a big trend in Uber's case was ride sharing. Yeah. I mean, period. Lyft kind of lifted over the covers <laughs> of, <laughs> uh, of community led ride sharing. And, uh, I think Uber probably saw that and they're like, well, we're, we're not going to miss that boat. You know, yeah. the black car thing is, is great, but that is where the world is heading and that's where we're going to go. Um, so those are also, those are also really important. Okay. Last thing, uh, for a bad strategy, a bad strategy is just a list of goals. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. Um, when it's just, Oh my God, we're going to drink a lot for this last point. Uh, Uh, when it's just a list of goals, you're probably going to fail goals alone. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Without a plan are just goals. <laughs> I'm done. I've Drink done. again, Eron. Come on. <laughs> this is Drink like... again. <laughs> <laughs> Did we finish it? All right, perfect. <laughs> All right. Um Yeah, when it's just a list of those things, that's not enough. Um and and that's you're so missing. Common. People like my strategy is to lose 50 pounds or you know like they like they mix up these two concepts the g word which i will not say again because i will be <laughs> they mix up the g word and strategy 
that's so so common like you use okrs right when you yep. when you plan for the quarter um key results are often the same thing as the g word goals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i can't <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, so many people um like will write these goals but not kind of talk about, oh my god is that another i said it again oh you did it again god yeah. all right yeah like they won't say how they got stop it stop being so diligent and precise <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i guess um if you're if you're using okrs for example at your company your objectives are probably the thing closer to uh, your strategy. Um, your KRs are definitely not your strategy. Do not confuse those two things. Yeah. And uh, a lot of places do confuse them, uh, which is, yeah, not something you should do. Um, okay. Let's hop into methodology, shall we? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. 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 Back to Russell's question, which was, you know, uh, what is our process for building strategy? Now we know what it is. Now, how, how do we do it? How do we do it in real life? Well, for me, um, to diagnose, I use the SWOT method. Now, don't be afraid. It's a method. It's not some long, crazy thing. In fact, like, do not be intimidated because once you do the SWOT, you have it for life. You can use it over and over again. And it will love you back. It is worthwhile doing, in my opinion. Let me tell you a little bit about it. So SWOT, S-W-O-T, stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And basically, you get all the people you love. Sorry, not love. All the people you work with. <laughs> we love all them the too. <laughs> yeah, you love them too. Uh, all the people you work with. You can, they can be stakeholders. They can be people on your immediate team, adjacent, uh, team adjacent. People you trust, people you think are smart. Get those suckers in a room, virtual room if you have to. Pour them a freaking vodka pineapple soda quick. And then ask them um, to just classify everything they think um, that is a strength or a weakness or an opportunity or a threat for your product. Just like four squares and just like rapid fire. Sometimes I set a timer because some people are shy or they want to talk a lot. I'm like, no, I don't want to talk. Just write it down and then we're going to discuss. Um, and so basically what this is, it's a great place to start gathering ideas um, from people you trust and love maybe <laughs> um, about how to kind of diagnose what's going on. And, and that will help you um, write a cohesive strategy. Uh, have you used this method? Are you? Do you like it as much as I do or is this just a me thing? Um, well, you are definitely the queen of SWOT analyses. I have seen you do so many of them. Um, <laughs> and sometimes I've gotten a peek of Iris desktop and there's just like SWOT analyses everywhere. So, uh, I mean, you are, you are excellent at them. I've used them as well. And I, and I think they are really, really effective. It just, it's also just a simple, like you said, it's a simple thing. You know, you just write these things out. I like the idea of setting a timer and it doesn't take a lot. And it really, really helps crystallize like, hey, here are our strengths, here are our weaknesses, here are opportunity threats. You take the strengths and you're like, hmm, okay, how, where can I lean in here a bit more to, uh, to tackle the challenges that we have? Yeah. I mean, it's really, it really is, it really is a simple and very effective framework. I, I really love it as well. Um, all right. Should we talk about another one? Yeah. Yeah. I want to know what you use um, when you're not, you yeah. know, 
peeping on mine, my awesome SWAT squares, <laughs> yeah. which I love. I mean, well, you always want to take balls are covered in SWAT analysis, covered. <laughs> I'm just imagining your whole room just like covered in like four by four or two by twos. Um, okay. So uh, one that I really liked that I stole from my boss, actually my current boss, uh, shout out Matt. Hey, um, is starting with salon style discussion uh, with a working group of stakeholders that are likely associated with the problems you're trying to solve. It's a really uh, low pressure way of just starting to at least discuss with a group of folks, um, you know, the problems you're trying to solve for your strategy and getting into the diagnoses part, working through guiding policy. That way you always have a group of people you can come back to with like, hey, here's what I'm thinking about with a draft strategy. Yeah. Refine, 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 and kind of get at, you know, get at the problems that you're trying to solve. Um, it really, it really is effective. And, you know, you just start, you can just start like once a week, gather yeah. people up in a virtual room or whatever. We love Miro. I, I love using Miro as, as, um, as a remote work alternative to whiteboarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you can just start collecting some thoughts, uh, working through ideas and, uh, start drafting a strategy that way. And it's super low pressure and oftentimes it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, uh, to your group salon or, style discussions, man, they are yeah. fun. Yeah, thanks. I mean, um, I try to keep it low pressure in there because, because, yeah, generally when people say strategy, it's like, ugh, you know, but <laughs> um, if they're fun, uh, then you'll come, your mind will be engaged and, and uh, we'll be able to get to something even better. And that's produced some of probably um, definitely the better strategic work that I've been a part of, which is, yeah. Great. I love what you said about bringing people along the way. Like part of our job as PMs is to leverage um, the talents and the ideas and the input of people around us. And then not all, like I hate to say like, oh, our job is to build consensus. It's not really to build consensus, um, but it's to take all these inputs and deliver some value for our user or for our business or both, hopefully. Um, and when you like what I've seen when you run a salon style style discussion is there could be this really complex kind of strategy that we build. Um, but because I know how it got shaped, what we threw out, how we tailored, and I hear the perspective of other people in the company who are not in my immediate team, I'm like, oh, okay. And then, so like, if you, it's like, if you had like baked it all on your own, I'm going to keep asking you questions. Because that's what I do. Ask a lot of questions. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, I'll just keep probing. And so like kind of seeing how it was made um, and doing these conversations over like, you know, not a long period of time, but like I think we met like once every two weeks for like a few months. Um, that, that was actually yep. re- really useful to see how it was shaped and it brought me along the way. Um, and then I was bought yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the other thing, right? Um well, a couple of things. You're we're all kind of grasping at the elephant, right? And mm-hmm. you've got the trunk and I've got a leg and somebody's <laughs> got an ear, you know. It's and so analogy. like when you can kind of get everybody talking about the different pieces that they have, then it, it really does help you uh get to a place where you where you can have a really quality strategy. That leads me into the third thing that okay. is I think a really good methodology for checking if you've got a good strategy is uh, checking for something that Seth talked about in our last episode, uh, which is checking for wake. 
Um, so if you have a really, really good strategy, you'll start to notice something happen when you share that strategy with people in your organization. If it's really solid, um, maybe after five minutes of talking through what the strategy is and why, uh, you'll start to see people kind of like join your, you know, get caught in your wake, mm-hmm. caught in the wake of the strategy uh, that you're discussing. And things like resource al- allocation become an easier conversation because people are caught in the wake. They're like, right behind you trying to get into that get into that strategic mindset because they believe in it you know yeah um versus when you have something that's not that's a bad strategy you don't get that same kind of wake you have to really fight for fight for everything whereas if you have something that's that's a really good strategy that's good um you know people get in your wake seth said (laughs) it best i think that was really accurate I totally agree. It's like, isn't it cool when you're like in a meeting and then you hear your what you said or what your team came up with just framed a little bit differently? It's like there's an echo mm-hmm. chamber effect, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, people are yeah. coming along and they are thinking about it in novel ways and how their team might contribute. It's so validating. Yeah, 100%. It's great. And and, and attached to that um, that idea, you should be sharing your strategy early and often. I I think that probably goes without saying for a lot of folks, but since, you know, we have a lot of uh, beginner beginner folks in the show, share your strategy early enough. Like the more you can kind of get oxygen into that process, um, oxygen tends to kill off a lot of bad, bad strategy and bad ideas. Yeah. The more you can share, the better. Yeah. Sharing is caring, guys. Um, You're starting to sound a little slurry. Just FYI. Yeah. Does that mean we're bed. done? Are we done? I think, I think that's a wrap. I think that's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, strategy. Amazing topic for amazing listeners. Um, let us know if you enjoyed this episode in the comments at our website for the episode. And if there's more you'd love to hear about strategy, let us know in the comments. And thank you, as always, for joining us for Product Happy Hour. If you enjoyed Happy Hour today, Please support us by subscribing at our website, producthappyhour.com. There are two options, $5 a month and $30 a year. For a Starbucks latte a month or one DoorDash order a year, you can help us keep this party going and keep ads off the pod. Thank you in advance for your support. You can also support the show by following the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, whatever, (laughs) wherever you get your podcasts. Please also rate the show on your platform of choice. Really helps us out. Follow us on Instagram or TikTok for clips at Product Happy HR. And please share with your friends and spread the word. The more people at the bar, the merrier. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. Goals. Goals. Goals, goals, goals. (laughs) I'm out of liquor. Cheers, everybody. (laughs) See ya. See you next time.